welcome. This is an awesome podcast. This yeah. is one of my favorite ones. <laughs> to the Jeff. It's a lot of whiskey, Jeff. Macalino. Jeff Macalino. 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 Podcast. Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome to the show. Thank you for joining me. Uh, today's episode is, well, don't I say they're all great. This one's no different. It's great. Um, this was a, a, an exciting one because it's definitely out of uh, the realm of expertise that uh, I think I've ever had on. And as I go further and further down the podcast road, uh, it's harder and harder to find someone in a field or, uh, you know, uh, area of expertise that I haven't spoken to uh, before. So that's uh, f- fun and exciting for me. It's with uh, Robert Hansen today's episode, and uh, he's well known around the hacking circles as R Snake. Uh, so we talk, obviously, about uh, some of what he does. We kick things off with a, a story um, from him recently being in the White House. He was called in to discuss thing. So, you know, he also talks about going into the Pentagon. So it's a pretty, pretty legit dude who knows what he is uh, doing. Uh, We talk about a wide variety of things, and I know you'll enjoy it. Um, Yeah, and I, I recorded this episode when I was sober, but you may not guess it because I think this was when I had the uh, stretch of it's just a, a fun three day. I being busy for three days was so great. This is uh, Monday. I had to get up at four a.m. on two, maybe three hours sleep to go do background acting in Tampa. Then that was done. I was home by eleven, uh, and then I had a podcast at one fifteen. I had my I had one drink during that podcast, and then I took a nap for maybe an hour and a half, and then I had a nine fifteen podcast interview that night. I drank uh, obviously with the that little nap. I I ended up drinking quite late into the night, and woke up just a little bit before this podcast with Robert, uh, which happened at noon on a Tuesday. Um, so I'm fairly certain I was still drinking water actually when, when I, when we had this chat. So, um, I, I also would say my blood alcohol level was probably still quite high. Uh, (laughs) so there's, there's my excuse, but I am, uh, I am, I've got to say it on the podcast so that it comes to fruition because if you set hard rules for yourself, you know, you, if you publicize them, I feel like they're easier done. Uh, so I'm today's day one of me not drinking. Granted, it's been less than 12 hours, but, but uh, it's day one of me not drinking for a, a month minus one day. I have something planned and I'm, I'm going to drink. It's a podcast. <laughs> but uh, so... We'll see. And it's purely, I want to make things this very, very abundantly clear. It is purely to help me lose weight because, you know, I've got a couple auditions for roles and uh, I'm not going to have lost the weight that I want to lose before auditioning, but 
if I get those parts to do them justice, I would certainly need to drop a significant amount of weight. So I'm going to give it about four weeks. We'll see. I've got a couple of drunk Jeff Eats that are going to come out. Uh, i got plenty of dads and drink shows as well. Um, plus all my other podcasts I've recorded through like mid to late August. I mean, not April. Uh, I was drinking in every single one of those, except for this one. So sit back, relax, and enjoy myself with our snake. Uh, before I do that, I've got to talk about today's sponsor, uh, Xsense. Uh, this is the innovative company providing home safety products, including cutting edge smoke detectors, carbon monoxide alarms, and other smart home security systems designed to keep you and your loved one ones safe 24-7. Hopefully there's more than one person that you love. Uh, maybe that doesn't live with you. I don't know. <laughs> uh, also, I want to mention one of their new products, the SCO1. It's a smoke detector carbon monoxide detector combo. Has a simple installation and can protect family against two dangers. Smokes, uh, smoke, both smoke and carbon monoxide. Uh, it contains a long life lithium battery that powers the device for its entire 10 year life. Uh, so you don't have to worry about that annoying smoke detector beeping batteries good to go for 10 years um so protect what matters most with xsense uh also as a special offer for the podcast listeners you get an exclusive 15 percent discount on your first purchase if you go to xsense.com that's x hyphen s-e-n-s-e.com and use the promo code jeff macalino at checkout protect what matters most with xsense Hey, folks, you know, I talk about mental health on this podcast a lot uh, with my own struggles. Uh, a lot of times I'll talk to guests about their struggles. And uh, that being said, I uh, want to thank BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode. BetterHelp is the world's largest therapy service, and it's 100% online. With BetterHelp, you can tap into a network of over 25,000 licensed and experienced therapists who can help you with a wide range of issues. To get started, you just answer a few questions about your needs and preferences in therapy. That way, BetterHelp can match you with the right therapist from their network. Then you can talk to your therapist however you feel comfortable, whether that's via text, chat, phone, or video call. You can message your therapist at any time and schedule live sessions when it's convenient for you. If your therapist isn't the right fit for any reason, you can switch to a new therapist at no additional charge. With BetterHelp, you get the same professional professionalism and quality you expect from in-office therapy, but with a therapist who is custom-picked for you. More scheduling flexibility and at a more affordable price. As a bonus, you get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com slash Macalino. That's BetterHelp.com slash M-A-C-O-L-I-N-O. All right, everybody. I'm very pleased to welcome Robert Hansen to the Jeff Macalino podcast. How are you, Robert? amazing now that i'm here yeah i'm i'm <laughs> glad to have you um yeah, yeah we, we 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 were doing a lot of laughing in the green room 
that's yes. that's that's the new cool way to 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 talk about pre hitting the record button. <laughs> so, well, is that is that because your room is painted green or? <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I had one one of my guests. Um, she um, and I don't mind this, but she insisted that we talked for fifteen minutes or something before we actually started recording, mm-hmm. and then. I kept making callbacks to stuff we were joking about in those 15 minutes because partially because I was drinking and I don't think I necessarily recognized like when the record button was hit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So she, she'd then be like, well, yeah, we talked about that in the green room. And I'm like, <laughs> Oh, that's a good, that, that sounds classy. <laughs> sounds like I'm Jay Leno. Like, <laughs> Yeah, I, I maybe she just wanted to get a little loose. You know, some people are not. You gotta warm them up a little bit before you get started. The really intense conversation. You, yeah, just, and, I'm ready. I'm ready for these intense questions to come out. So I, I'm all prepared now. Oh yeah, yeah. Be 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 ready for real intense uh, questions. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm known for: hard hitting. Uh, <laughs> um. So so Robert. Um. Part of me wants to just jump in with the, the, do the White just House do story. Yeah, let's let's go. Just, let's let, let's start with that, and we'll see where it goes. So you were yeah, in the White House last week, yeah, was it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. A week and a half ago, I think. Yeah, and uh, it was about AI security, which kind of confluence of those things, and you know they're extremely concerned about it. And uh, I just had this kind of uncanny knack of accidentally saying things I really probably shouldn't say at the wrong times, the wrong people just by me, you know, I just kind of say whatever's on my mind, but they were kind of talking about um, at one point, the conversation they're talking about, you know, censorship and whether it makes sense or whatever. And I'm like, you're thinking about this all completely wrong. Like, like imagine you had like a virtual world with that you could completely secure and there's nothing bad that could happen and all, just play with these cute kittens. And that's all that was there. But then you had another one that popped up later where you could do anything to the kittens. You could kill the kittens. You could molest the kittens. You could have sex with the kittens. You could hurt the kittens, whatever, like whatever you want, right? Everyone would eventually start moving over to that because they want to be able to do anything in that virtual world as opposed to being fully, fully locked in. And and they were pretty upset with me at first. They're like, no one's ever going to do that. That's not true. They'd stay over here. And I'm like, who are you even talking about? I'm like, all the people you care about, all the adversaries are all going to move over there. That's the problem. Like, you're thinking about all the good people. You need to think about the bad people. But afterwards, it kind of occurred to me. I did say uh, have sex with virtual kittens at one point in that in that discussion. And uh, one of the guys who was there is like, you know, that is definitely the first time that set of words has ever been said in the White House. <laughs> That's I, I, w- I would wear that as a badge of honor for, forever and ever. <laughs> Uh, it was a broader point, but yeah, I probably should have chosen a better analogy. Yeah, well, you're not wrong, though. I mean, not <laughs> not to not to say this in a gross way, but that would be every. I, I was talking about this, um, and it's a similar uh, premise, but it's not real necessarily. But I was talking about having. I, I've had. When I do not drink, I have extremely vivid, real dreams, mm-hmm. and uh, I've and that's had... why you drink. <laughs> that is why I drink. Actually, <laughs> one of the main reasons. Um, if I drink a ton, I don't have any dream, and if I drink enough, it's just 
dulled so I can sleep <laughs> through it. But the vivid dreams are crazy. And lately I've been having a recurring dream where it's like a uh a virtual world where everyone who's got who who can access this vivid dreaming shares it and naturally the number one thing everyone wants to do in that world is everyone wants to fuck each other <laughs> because mm -hmm. there's no consequences um yeah. so the but that it's kind of the same thing it's like in any that's what we're animals in any situation yeah. people are like there's no consequence for fucking it's not cheating yeah. on my wife yeah. whatever yeah we're that that's that's what humans are going to devolve to whether it's kittens yeah. or people or anything so the very first program i ever wrote when i was very very young getting started in this industry 20 almost 30 years ago now uh was a trojan horse and i installed it everywhere i could find that i, I could put it so i had a good chunk of the internet compromised when i was you know, 18 or whatever. And um, what I realized, because I could read everybody's email, but this was before people realized you could even do that. You know, it was this wasn't like now where everyone's kind of careful with what they say online or sort of careful anyway. Back then it was a free-for-all. Everyone typed whatever they're going to type. So I was reading all these effectively other 18-year-olds to 21-year-olds uh, emails. And every single one of them was lying, cheating, and stealing. Every one of them. And that's when I kind of got my bearings on how people actually are, you know, like, it's not like there was this one perfect little flower out there who was just doing nothing wrong. Everyone was lying to their parents or their boyfriend or, you know, cheating on a test or something like every, every one of them. And so that's, I think that really helped kind of settle me to understand what the real human condition actually is. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, well, uh, uh, yeah, and nowadays th that's what I always say. Social media is lying. Mm -hmm. That's that's why I hate it so much. It's like, you know, I don't know if you have kids, but uh, it, it, you go anywhere with your kids, and maybe this makes me a bad person. Ninety five percent of the time, it's going to be miserable. Just you know, like stop doing that. Stop. I'm bored. You know, mm -hmm. no matter what you do, yeah. uh, but but you put pictures up of the you know the few smiles you have, and that we had a great time. Mm -hmm. So you do that, that for the you do that for the court because later on you're going to have to explain. <laughs> <laughs> well, you you do it. I, I, I now in fairness, I do not do that. In fair, if I actually put something on social media with my kids, ninety five percent of the time I actually enjoyed it. That's why I rarely post. <laughs> <laughs> so but i i feel like most of the time it's like yeah i can put photos off of this random thing and even even then i'm like maybe i i at least want to take the picture even if i don't put mm -hmm. it on the internet so at least that when they're older and they're like are you never took me anywhere as a kid i'm like you liar look at the evidence <laughs> <laughs> see i thought you're gonna say something different i thought you're about to say like i take photos of them crying or like <laughs> like spilled stuff all over their face and that's all i post <laughs> i know no that's that's not a bad idea actually just honest <laughs> social media i took Super my kids honest. here uh it you know they, they, this one pissed his pants this one hated it <laughs> that's you know if i could go back in time when they were a little younger that would actually be what i would do 
Uh, although they they would hate me a lot. Yeah. For yeah. yeah, but it's honest, you know. Here's here's all this barf stain all over me or whatever. Yeah, I'm I you know, you've got me motivated to think if I can like redo my my social media just yeah. like picture me just drinking by myself on my couch like no kids tonight. I'm getting fucked up by myself. <laughs> Life. <laughs> surfing for something to uh jack off to <laughs> i'm not sure whether to masturbate or watch another episode of californication depends on whether i pass out first or not it'll be it'll be it'll be a race <laughs> do, do, you know if i drink too much uh, the boner's not coming so uh, that just that's just exercise is what i call it at that point <laughs> <laughs> see exactly. it, it, yeah see i wouldn't be the if i was in the white house it would it would devolve to mas masturbation talk and yeah, it, would, no. it certainly would not be the first person to ever say it and talk about that, it though well now that one i think probably they talk about regularly oh yeah 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 <laughs> done and like i even if i found a bathroom to jerk off in i'd be like the yeah. seven millionth person to be like <laughs> i jerked off in the white house <laughs> actually that that would be my goal yeah, to, to, yeah well in some way shape <laughs> or form to finish i mean if, if i if there yeah. was someone with me even better but yeah, yeah. just to be yeah. like yep i i made the white house white yeah <laughs> <laughs> Blowjobs and handjobs and uh, masturbation. I'm sure there's plenty of that going on. So. Oh yeah, yeah, and that's just JFK's presidency. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> um, uh, so speaking, well, maybe this segues. Um, <laughs> you are you're you're a yeah, that's true. I my my segues <laughs> often don't connect to anything. It's, I just say it. I like it better that way. Something, yeah. Speaking of this, that, <laughs> that's actually an old office gag I used to do because my buddy, uh, who was black, but he always used to say, "Yeah, anytime someone starts a sentence with, I, I'm not racist or not to be racist, but." But you know, they're yeah. going to say something racist. So <laughs> I then started every random sentence I could with not to be racist, but uh, <laughs> it's raining like hell outside. <laughs> like just ra completely random thoughts started with that. I'm like, see, that wasn't racist. It yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, that so that's sense. how my segues typically go. But All right. So speaking of racism. Speaking of racism. Uh, you're great with technology. So. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. What uh, I mean, you mentioned you you kind of got started at a at a young age uh, doing it. What? Uh, oftentimes, why? I well, I I think sometimes yeah. You know, why is the question? But I do think sometimes uh, people are just it's like a a skill, a gift, like um it's not something you choose necessarily it's just something you find that you're naturally good at and i and that's not to diminish your abilities at all because obviously you need to you know you can be great at at basketball but if you don't practice you're not going to be michael jordan well no one yeah. michael jordan wouldn't be michael jordan if he didn't practice that's right that's so right. you're the michael jordan of tech well, i don't want to say it that way necessarily 
Um, you, you, you can tell me. I, I'll, I'll accept whatever you say because I know nothing about technology except for I know that the answer is generally clicking buttons and just clicking around until what you want happens. Mm-hmm. Um, that that's my. Some people think I'm good at technology, and I'm like, no, I'm not. I don't understand a single thing, but I know to just keep clicking until what you want happens, or it doesn't. But you know, yeah, well, it's not going to happen if it if it's not happening. You need to keep doing things until it does. That's basically all yeah. I do. Yeah, yeah. I think to be good at computers, it takes some amount of skill. Yeah, for sure, because you have to know the basic basics, but really at that point it's brute force you just kind of keep trying until you figure it out and the nice thing about computers is they don't lie and so mm. if you try something and you try it again it's probably also not going to work the same way it didn't work before if you try it again etc right it's always going to give you the same pattern of output and so if you keep clicking around as you said you will eventually you know infinite amount of monkeys infinite amount of time you will explore all of the application and know all its features and that actually is a process of learning and and in fact um a lot of hacking is just like that. You'll have an application. I've never seen it before. I know no idea what's going to happen if I do X or Y or whatever, especially combinations of things, multivariate testing. And um, and you'd be surprised. A lot of it is pretty much just what you described. Like, I wonder what happens if I put in a zero? What, whatever happens if I put in a negative one? What happens if I put a very, very, very large number? What if I put an alphabet uh, in it? What if I put some special characters in it? You know, and so you just try all these different permutations and it's not like completely random. You actually kind of, there's patterns that you know will elicit certain things on the back end, but eventually you will find that a lot of applications are programmed. This, this is actually a little bit of a misnomer. People think that computer security is vulnerability. It really isn't. It's actually an extra feature that the original programmer didn't intend to be there. But by virtue of me being an expert, both at the original application and all the things that can happen, I can elicit extra behavior. And the extra behavior might give me special access or might, uh, you know, remove somebody who shouldn't be removed or whatever, right? Might do something extra, extra that they weren't originally intending. And a lot of that, believe it or not, is kind of just clicking around and exploring apps and understanding how they work at a at a basic level and then exploring kind of deeper into the app and trying to find extra features or you know files that they forgot to delete or you know something that they should have tried to prevent on their side and they didn't or whatever you know they shouldn't allow more than 100 characters but they they left it wide open so I can put in billions and overwrite the database or whatever so there's a lot of different versions of that it's actually really very much more like quality assurance, like very glorified quality assurance than it is like some super, superhuman ability, if that makes sense. Sure. How how hard is it to stay, uh, not to incriminate yourself potentially, but how hard is it to stay on the right side of the law with that? Uh, <clears throat> well, even, even well-intentioned hackers will often run afoul of different laws. So I'll give you an anecdote. So this is a couple of years back, maybe five years back or something, I was invited to go to the Pentagon and and there was a small cohort of people who were like hand curated that they wanted to bring in to do this. And it was just 31 IP addresses and <clears throat> I had absolutely no interest in doing this whatsoever because from my perspective, I'm kind of like an artist or something. If someone gives me a two inch by two inch square and say paint it exactly this shade of blue, it's, it's not really art, you know, it's like, you're not really proving anything about my capabilities at that point. 
really hacking is more about the edges. It's around going around what you think the thing is and just kind of coming at it in weird directions above, below, through, you know, just kind of all these different uh, vectors. <clears throat> so when I saw that they only gave me 31 IP, uh, IPs to attack, I decided to go further. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> I found an exploit on those 31 IPs that you kind of had to find another exploit nearby on another machine to exploit it. And the average uh, likelihood of me finding that one exploit is about one in 10. So I needed to find something that resembled some one of these other machines. And I looked in my database, I have this massive database of all this information, and I found one, uh, 138,000 machines that met the criteria. So that means that there's gonna be thousands and thousands and thousands of examples of these this vulnerability. And so I uploaded that as sort of proof that I could go beyond, I, you know, I need more information than the 31 IPs to exploit it in any way. Here's where I would get that information from. And then I'm like, you know what, this is stupid. So I just uploaded everything I did know about the, them to them. Uh, so instead of, they thought I'd find about 100,000 assets on the internet. I found 1.9 million on my first try and now I'm most closer to 5 million. Uh, but I uploaded it with like, you know, you've got to, updated Minecraft server living on the 10th fleet. You have like printers on the public internet. You have firewalls that aren't even made anymore. Like no one, there's no support for this thing. It doesn't even exist. Company's out of business. Like all this terrible stuff. Like here, here's what your real posture is. Um, and that's when the general wanted to put me in jail. Uh, <laughs> because <laughs> it's, it's kind of akin to going down the street and painting the cars nearby. Next door neighbor you know, I was nowhere near that two inch by two inch uh, canvas, you know. And um, so the head of defense digital services, the chief information security officer of the Pentagon, a bunch of other people had to get involved and kind of like stop them from putting me in jail, despite the fact it was technically sort of illegal. Um, and uh, they ended up changing the policy of the Pentagon because of that. Um, me and one other guy, one guy went too deep uh, and I went way too wide. Uh, one guy was supposed to stop at some point and he kept going. And I found all this stuff on the periphery way outside the scope. And uh, so now they've changed the policy where it's a, if you see something, say something policy. So if you have good intentions and you're trying to help and you show them what you found, they won't put you in jail. Mm. But uh, when I talked to them about it, I'm like, <clears throat> so, you know, if you had put me, my handle's Arsnake, if you put Arsnake in jail for hacking the Pentagon during hack the Pentagon, That'll be kind of like dropping a nuclear bomb on the Pentagon. Like all, it's going to be free reign. All these hackers right. will start trying to hack you because just because you're an asshole about the whole thing. And and uh, I'm like, the minute you show up with these like black vans and pull pull up and you know roll me up in a carpet and take me away, like like it's it's free game. Like like what are you even what are you even talking about? Like how is this? How did we even get here? And I was this is talking to the Defense Digital Service, the guy used to run it. And he's like, well, first of all, Robert, it would have been camo vans, not black vans. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. So, um, yeah. So if you ever see camo van roll up, you're... <laughs> I don't even know if you're running or you just are like, oh, fuck, it's over. <laughs> you can't outrun a 50 cow. I'm sorry, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, good Good luck to you. Uh, but, but, I mean, the government... Um, I assume it needs to embrace people like yourself to, I mean, I, obviously I assume they do given you, you were in the yeah, white yeah, house it's recently. A, it's, uh, it's a little bit better now than it used to be. Yeah. 
it's it seems and again maybe people like yourself are the defense it seems like it not would be easy but it would certainly be in the capabilities of someone or a group of people like like you to do many you know hack the fbi database tell us you know the real truth about jfk's assassination or <laughs> or 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 hack voting machines it's it's fascinating to me when um and i'm and i'm not saying this from a political standpoint i'm saying it's fascinating to me that people in 2016 and 2020 are both talking about you know rigged elections for different reasons and they're never talking about hacking the voting machine they're always talking about other stuff and i'm like well wouldn't hacking the voting machine be the smart way to steal an election it seems easier than than flooding hundreds of thousands of fake paper ballots into it or uh you know russian collusion of uh facebook uh, yeah i still don't under i never understood that one but but mm -hmm. um other than the social media part of it which is certainly something that that could be uh can be done but that's to me, that's just manipulating stupid people. But that is the that is it's all it's all the same people who element. vote. Yeah, but yeah. I, but I would think getting back to my point, I would think if a group of people like yourself were like, "Hey, we're we want this election to go this way," we're gonna. But on the flip side, are people like yourself then taken in by the government to hey make sure this doesn't happen? You know, make sure that... it's certainly a mix, right? Uh... And your instincts are right. Uh, OPM hack was a good example of that, um, where they hacked into a system that basically had all the classified information. It's basically the HR system for the government. Um, they were able to find all the classified information about all the agents, you know, everywhere, uh, who their family was, their top secret clearance, all the questionnaires, you know, all the PII associated with it, like social security number and all that stuff. But also you know, stuff that they've done wrong or that could co theoretically come back and bite them or, you know, financial situations and all kinds of stuff, you know, who their real family is, if they're undercover, et cetera, et cetera. Like, re it was really, really bad breach. And we know that it was China that did it because we actually hacked into China. We found it. Uh, and then we sent emissaries over to show them how to protect it so that other nations couldn't hack it. Um, that's how bad that situation actually was. Um, in terms of the voting machines, um, a, a couple quick comments on that one. First of all, a buddy of mine is the guy who did the security, one of the guys who did the security assessment for one of the voting machines. I will not say which one. And the sum total of the assessment was they had one hour with the machine. Um, and there was a bunch of them who had to do it at the same time. So it wasn't like they had alone time with the machine. They all were in the room. And they didn't bring anyone technical with them. They only just brought one sales guy. So he spent, you know, 15, 20 minutes just explaining the features and the product or, or whatever. So just burning through that time. And then um, they didn't give them any instructions on like how the undercarriage of how it was working or whatever and no specialized tools. So they had to just use their hands. Um, and that's an, that's an impossible test. You're not really going to find anything out about that. Uh, and that was sort of the gold standard that like, hey, we did it. We had we had a panel of experts come in and check mm -hmm. out the security. Uh, so that that's not great. But I've actually looked at other voting systems in the past, uh, both uh, informal ones like, you know, just off the shelf things that people produce, uh, like, you know, little polls and stuff that people create. And those all have vulnerabilities. 
but also more complicated ones like um, uh, it was either Estonia or Ukraine. I can't remember which one now. Uh, they published their electronic voting machine code. And so I went through that and it had all kinds of flaws in it. So um, yeah, I think your instincts are right, whether that actually happened or not, who knows? Yeah, well, and, and frankly, if it did, the government would probably not want to let people know. It, right? Well, I mean, I, we do know that certain amount of it did happen for sure. Uh, well, I do anyway, uh, maybe this isn't public, public knowledge. So for instance, I got called in by some journalists. Journalists talk to me quite often, like they want to validate what they're about to say in the press so they make sure that it sounds right. Uh, but he had me take a look at one voting system in California uh, that had been compromised, but the way it was set up, it was set up so it wasn't designed not to log anything. And so if the bad thing happened, there was no way to tell that it happened. Um, and so they're like, we think it might've been compromised, but we really don't know and there's no way to check. Uh, because we try to make it very difficult for people to log uh, information to decloak where people are voting from or whatever. There's some sort of back-end legislation reason they have it set up that way. But on the very first page, on the very first like homepage of this thing, they had something called a SQL injection attack. So I could theoretically take over the database just like first thing. I didn't have to go any special pages or do anything weird. Just like first form, first page right there. So it was very, very vulnerable application. And then in another incident, um, um, another journalist got in touch with me out of Florida, um, and they had uh, evidence that had been sent to them that, um, you know, the DNC had been hacked in this very specific way, whatever. And they sent all this information, like like this big video showing how they did it and whatever. And so he basically sent me the video, like, does this look real? Does this look legit? Like, you know, I'll take your word for it one way or another. And I'm like, no, man, like, look at this, look at this, look at this. There's all these problems with this video. It's clearly totally staged. None of this is real. And then they sent, and so he didn't say that he had brought in a security guy to do it. He said, my IT guy said that there's problems with this video and whatever. So they sent another video over to sort of prove that they were right. But this one's even worse than the first one Had all kinds of additional issues. And they were mailing like the FBI and, you know, Secret Service and all these politicians and all these news publications and everybody, like anybody they could think of on these messages, trying to get as much visibility into this and basically just make people think things were happening that weren't happening. So there's a lot of election tampering, tampering going on. It's just not clear what effect that actually has. Right. Yeah. Well, that's uh, that's what I'm thinking. It's, it, you know, the, the way that the way that it would be broken that, hey, this election was tampered with is the libertarian becomes president. Like, you know, yeah. <laughs> like if, if hackers want to do something, I highly encourage you know them to do that. Is, is, is all of a sudden the libertarian candidate gets 200 million. There aren't even 200 million voters. How the, something's askew here. But we don't want to know the January 6th to happen where people question the election. So just say, yeah, it's legitimate. Move on. <laughs> yep. Jeez. Yep. Uh, speaking of January 6th, um, (laughs) and and I, I never, I, it's probably the first time in, in this podcast history that that's even been brought up. Uh, so, so I certainly don't, I'm not saying this from a political way, but you're, Mm -hmm. you're featured in the January 6th commission report. Um, Mm -hmm. obviously I assume it's for cybersecurity reasons, not, 
Yeah, well, that wasn't you wearing the funny hat in the oh, capital. Sort of. <laughs> no, 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 allegedly, allegedly. Um, no, uh, so I, I have this podcast called The Arsenic Show, and um, part of it is uh, there's these people I know that are just really crazy, super interesting people, um, either way on the left, way on the right, just way out there, you know, like we're on the fringes of society in many ways. But also just people who are like deep technologists or whatever, like people you would never normally interact with, people who aren't on CNN or NBC or whatever, Fox News. And two of them had been in Trump's White House the week before that all went down. And um, I knew a lot about what was going on because they're they're friends of mine. So I could kind of like see it ahead of time and see what they were planning and and talking about. And And also I had some friends... Uh, kind of spooky friends who were uh, very worried about the election. So they were paying attention to it as well, sort of before and during and slightly after. But uh, their whole premise was uh, there's a law, a set of laws that could be interpreted to say that you could um, theoretically allow the local electorate to decide despite the popular vote. And so your local electorate is kind of made of like car salesmen and like, you know, some guy owns a jewelry store or whatever, you know, there's like kind of semi-normal people who may not even be aware of the fact that they are really the ones who cast the vote to decide which way the state goes, which is then where the electoral college goes. Right. So they're basically saying you could do whatever you want. Just the state votes in this way. And there's a bunch of states that are like this. Um, And for that to work, they had to convince the attorney generals of all these different states that this is legal. You know, there's there's there is some precedence for it um, or theoretically there could be anyway. And so they went there to try to convince Trump and Trump's White House that that was indeed uh, a a path forward. They didn't end up going down that path. Uh, And since it and since then, it has been debunked um, as probably not. Uh, legal the concept uh, probably wouldn't work wouldn't hold up and uh, with the supreme court but uh nevertheless they were there and the other thing they were doing there um was talking about to trump that he needs to do more rallies he needs to get out there and put his face um with the populace and actually get out there and start talking to them so i don't know if that's the precursor to jan 6 uh but they certainly were out there trying to explain to him that he needs to do that um and so they were brought up in in the January 6th report as uh, this being evidence that indeed he was in the White House um, and this is the same guy we're talking about, et cetera. So he was sort of used, my podcast was used as evidence to prove that he was indeed there and this is the person we're talking about and now we can correlate all this information on his Twitter feed, et cetera. But uh, yeah, uh, that was a bit of a, a weird week. Uh, <laughs> because you know people are like wait you're a you're a jan sixer and i'm like wait no that is not what happened <laughs> like, i don't think you were paying attention at all but but you know death by association right uh, it doesn't matter whether i associate with people on one side and the other side or not you know people have their own sort of ways of thinking about things yeah, no, that's uh, that would be an interesting uh, place to you. You probably don't want your name in something like that. Just again, just just by association, just like I, I a little too I, late now. <laughs> I was uh, yeah, I was uh, on a I was guesting on a podcast with uh, the Friends of Zeus podcast is the name of it, and they had the guy who got Hunter Biden's laptop, the guy in mm-hmm. Delaware who 
Hunter Biden mm-hmm. brought his laptop to. They had him on the show, I think, an episode after me. And then they, they I've been on a few times and they're like, we're going to have uh, John Paul Mac Isaac on again. I think that's his name. And they're like, do you, would you want to come on? And I'm like, yeah, no, yes. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> like, I feel like the camo van's going to pull up. Yeah, right. I'm associated with them. <laughs> it's a real thing. It, it's, yeah, but... uh, yeah it, it's amazing that, uh, and, and that that's, uh, <laughs> I think, I think people don't understand how serious the government and military actually is. Like, they kind of seem like clowns from the outside, but inside they're very professional organizations and very, very dangerous. Yeah. <clears throat> like a buddy of mine, this is quite a few years back, but um, his dad was, um, was deployed overseas doing something spooky with big computers and, and uh, so he was deployed for like whatever six months or something and um he had uh armed military around him at all times protecting the the area or whatever and so they're wrapping everything up and they're everything's getting shipped out and so the the deployment's over and uh and my buddy's dad went over to the soldier the main guy there and he's like you know i just want to let you know i'm i'm really you know super happy you're here i always felt safe around you blah blah blah, blah. and the guy's like you know I'm really not supposed to tell you this, but since we're we're all packing up and leaving anyway, my orders were if someone was to storm that gate, I was to shoot you. Jesus. Because <laughs> <laughs> he knows how to operate the computers. Uh, uh, and he needs those computers to be inaccessible. Yeah. Well, that that's the uh, that's my I, I've always had a healthy fear. And, and to me, uh, you know, evidence is is very clear, you know. Again, I'm maybe a, a conspiracy theorist, but like John McAfee being off in prison or, you know, <laughs> we know uh, he didn't kill himself. Jeffrey Epstein <laughs> didn't kill himself either. We know these things, but but it's it's kind of a weird thing. Like. Everyone's like, yeah, we know someone some government wanted him dead and he, he's dead some powerful people want you dead it's just gonna happen and it's like what why are we just accepting that it's like it's just it's the way it is john mcafee actually followed me on twitter before his demise r.i.p and uh uh this is back when he was busted in las vegas and i actually offered to bail him out so uh <laughs> he didn't take me up on the offer but i thought that would make a great story someday if i ever did <laughs> That's I, I was so jealous. Uh, I was involved with the Libertarian Party loosely, but it was right in the right after he lost the nomination in 2016. And I was talking to people like, oh, yeah, we were partying with John McAfee a couple weeks ago. I'm like, damn it, I'm just a little late. <laughs> I want to party with John McAfee. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, funny. I was, talking, I was talking with a congressman here about almost this exact issue. I'm like, if you if his, he was very he's part of the one of the committees that does uh computers um security in general like uh especially uh outside the country security type that type of security he was very worried about anonymous at the time back when they were still really a thing and uh i'm like well if you if you really want to know the politics of hackers you know you've got to think libertarian and he looked like completely shocked like he'd never even like that never crossed his mind once ever i'm like how do you not I mean, this is your job to understand politics. It was a very odd sensation. Like, I felt like he kind of wanted to kick me out of his house immediately afterwards. Like, <laughs> get the hell out of here, you libertarian. What is that? But, uh, but indeed, you're right. I would say a vast majority of the people I talk to are not 
super right or left. They're pretty much right in the center, libertarians, very socially liberal, but, you know, conservatively fiscal, um, fiscally responsible, responsible. And they have kids now, so they kind of have to worry about mortgages and, you know, they're all kind of grown up. So they, they definitely are switching more to the right, but not like crazy, right? Just, you know, more in the center. A little bit. Yeah. 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 No, well, no, that's, that's the, uh, you know, stay out of my wallet, stay out of my bedroom, stay off my computer. Like, <laughs> like you know, that's, mm -hmm. it, it, it's not a, it's not a crazy thing. You know, let me have sex with virtual kittens if I want to. It's none of your business. <laughs> In the White House. <laughs> In the White House. <laughs> but it is, uh, well, that's the, and again, it's also the group of people who are the, you know, pardon Ed, Edward Snowden and Julian Assange and, and Ross Ulbricht, mm -hmm. uh, you know. Oh, my God, Ross. I've got a story about that guy. Uh, please. Um, uh, so... <laughs> So I, he's in Austin, as you know, or was in Austin, started in Austin, um, ended up in San Francisco. I actually ran into uh, his ex-roommate, um, this woman that he used to live with a long time ago. And, and she was convinced, absolutely convinced, there's no way it's possible that it's him. And I'm like, it was him. I mean, they caught him with the, his diary open with the username and password to the system. And he was logged in and he had ordered stuff to hide his identity from his own site. I mean, it, it was definitely him. Uh, but it, it was kind of a funky thing where I ended up having to do a lot of like research to kind of prove her like extra wrong, you know, like, come on, this, this is a real thing. And, you know, she just didn't want to believe it. But uh, fast forward maybe a year or so. And uh, it probably wasn't that long. It was probably only a couple months. I got a message from this guy, uh, part of the cartel, who basically said, we know that you are the real guy who started um, the site, Silk Road. And I'm like, I am not. I'm like, yes, exactly. That's what you'd say if you were after the guy. And, we know you. and so, uh, and I'm like, well, that's fucking stupid. But also, how do I get out of this now? And uh, they're like, well, there's no way because we know it's you. I'm like, okay, what is your evidence of this? I'm like, well, um, you live in Austin. He lived in Austin. So that's probably where you met. Um, he was a web application security expert. You run the web application security lab. Back then, I used to run this website called hackers.org. Um, he used Slowloris to attack uh, websites and take his competitors down. You wrote Slowloris. Um, he was a Red Private Roberts. And one of the last blog posts I wrote on that website was about how, how someone could theoretically take over my handle, Arsnake, and become the Dread Pirate Arsnake. You know, you both have these, you know, Princess Bride references. And uh, and I'm like, yeah, that's pretty good. Like, if I didn't know, <laughs> if I weren't me, that kind of sounds pretty plausible. Uh, and I'm like, okay, well, what are you going to do with that? Like, well, we'll just ruin your life. You know, we'll, we'll put it all over the internet that you're the real guy and just, your, your whole life will get fucked. I'm like, okay, that sounds pretty plausible. Okay, what do you want me to do? They're like, well, uh, we'll give you access to a machine, come in, and, and you basically build Silk Road 2 for us. And I'm like, okay, great. Give me access to the machine. So they did. And then I wrote a custom exploit to basically tunnel back to myself and figure out where they're really located and then handed that information to people who care about those things. And now they have a job for the rest of their life. So Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that, that, I, that would be bad. I don't, the, the... I, don't really, I don't really care about drugs one way or another. It's not my beef, but threatening me is not a wise decision, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, yeah. That see, that's at least you're smart enough to get your way out of it. Because yeah, it's like 
when you're accused just in general i think people maybe not to that extreme can relate to like well what am i supposed to say like <laughs> in essence it's not that i've ever been accused of this knock on wood but it, it's like being accused of being a racist like well but I, I can't how am i defending how can i defend myself against this like, i what? say this isn't meant to be racist before i say everything yeah so. yeah i clearly i preface every sentence i say with not to be racist <laughs> but uh, but it is kind of a similar like uh, well yeah. okay yeah i so, you know most of my friends are white that doesn't mean i'm racist <laughs> that just yeah. means i that's who i know it's not my fault <laughs> yeah. yeah well yeah you gotta add some diversity in there so speaking uh, of how how are you as a comedian kind of dealing with this whole kind of i don't know cancel culture in general like how do you how do you handle that i think the the uh the thing i lean on is that if you as long as you're not mean-spirited and if you don't apologize you're fine it's when you apologize that I think people can then say, oh, see, he knew what he said was, you, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's, and most of, you know, most of my edgy jokes are jokes that are actually, they sound like they might be racist, but they're actually opposite. Yeah. Like I, I, I made a good joke that this one, this one I, I've, I've stopped doing because it's hard to get to. But in essence, I was telling my son wanted a whiteboard for Christmas so he could do the Saints depth chart on a on a whiteboard. Like just you know, weird kid. But but I, so getting to that getting to that was hard. But I said I was pricing whiteboards and they're expensive as hell. So I'm like, son, can I maybe get you a blackboard instead? They're they're three fifths as much. <laughs> and and it, it, it's it's clearly not that's not a racist joke. That's clearly referencing american right, yeah. history but uh, for yeah. some reason some people generally white people not black people mm -hmm. are like oh i don't know about that and i'm like what i don't i don't see the how that's uh, offensive to anyone it's a mm -hmm. first of all it's obviously a joke right uh, but second of all it's like that that's actually almost the opposite of that's like pointing out racism more than it is being <laughs> racist right yeah, I think there, there's something I've heard in psychology. I think it's called the narcissistic damage. So when someone says something, even if it's not aimed at them at all, they will find a way to make it painful to them and damage them, despite the fact that you weren't even talking even about their race or about anything, or maybe not even about racist things. They find a way to be damaged by it. I think that's that's something that comedians run afoul of a lot. Yeah, I, I I think in general, as long as you're not, and the other thing with comedians is, is the the job is to go just past that line, mm -hmm. but you don't know where the line is unless you test it, right? So with it, the it, audience too, because then one audience will be fine, the other one, whoa, yeah. <laughs> well, and that's the that's the other thing. You can if you're you know if you're a road comic and you're traveling to different cities some of the material might work in some places but it, you know in certain other places uh it, it will not and it, it yeah. is interesting that uh you know it was before not before my time because i remember it but i i had no foot you know no no uh interest in in the result but i, I do remember when i was a kid it was the the right the conservative right that would always protest comedians and 
you know, the man show type of, you know, mm -hmm. for being mm -hmm. inappropriate. How dare you show women jumping on trampolines? Now mm -hmm. it, it's the exact, it's, it's the polar opposite. So, they, so I've, I've always kind of adopted the, um, the the thing that that the political spectrum's like a globe i'm like they actually touch right here the far left and mm -hmm. the far right they hate each mm -hmm. other but they're actually the same they want to censor yeah. everyone who doesn't agree with them they're you know they're i i have a i have a, a you know i have friends on both sides of the aisle but more that i relate to tend to be conservative nowadays and oh, um and obviously i have a lot of libertarian friends too who who don't care about any of it but um, the depending on who you're talking to, if you're talking to someone on the left, they'll tell you this movie's great. It's got great reviews. It's this, that, the other. You talk to someone on the right because there's a gay character in it. They're like, this movie sucks. It's woke. You can't have woke culture in comedies. It's and it's like, all right. But and, and the flip side too. The you know the new Jim uh, Caviezel movie that's about child sex trafficking. Oh, I, yeah, I yeah. don't know much about it's it, but they're like, oh, it's a right wing conspiracy, and I'm like. How is children's sex trafficking? I haven't seen the movie, but I don't know how this could possibly <laughs> like it's a serious thing. Like that that yeah. that's an important thing in the world. I don't mm -hmm. understand. It's not a right wing conspiracy theory. Mm -hmm. Um, but Jim Caviezel's conservative, so that's all that matters to them is they want the movie to to fail. They don't care yeah. about the content of the movie. Um, mm -hmm. but you know that that's the world but again i'm like you're, you're the same you just don't realize you just you, you you want your own echo chamber you hate people but you're the same people nobody likes mm -hmm. nobody likes you but for some reason we cater to these two extreme people who are, are probably like two percent of the american population are in that, that box sounds about right and yeah. we're like we have to do everything they say because they're the loud obnoxious ones who are going to cancel us and it's like what just and a lot of those are robots too. You got to be really careful. Like they're not as many people as you think. Um, That's if you, true. If you know you know enough about what's going on, a lot of those characters are they you know they have the egghead or you know some profile with like eight hundred digits on the username or whatever. It's all it's all garbage fake accounts well and, and that's i remember so elon musk is a controversial figure uh and he's a funny one who went from being like the left's the left praised him as a savior mm -hmm. to now he's a white right wing extremist and i'm like mm -hmm. i think he's just a dude trying to make money in in general but with twitter he, he i remember him saying in the beginning i i'm gonna lose money on this but I'm buying it because there's so many bot accounts that are trying to start World War III, and I'm going to shut them down. I remember him saying it, and now they're like, it's a whole, even he doesn't talk about that. But I remember that being like, he's like, there are, there are all these bots that are like, yes, we need to nuke Russia and all the, you know, they were really trying to push this conflict. And he's like, nah, I'm not, they're bots, they're fake accounts that are really, really pushing for this. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of my buddies was like, oh, yeah, that was the Chinese government that was infiltrating social media to push U.S. and Russia into war because, you know, unless the planet blows up, China wins if Russia and the United States go to war. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't know if that's true either. I don't know if any of it's true, but I'm like, there. I, I will say this. There were some bloodthirsty people. I, I, you couldn't escape it on Twitter before Elon. A lot of people wanted a, a World War Three to happen. And I'm like, yeah. Come on, guys. This is not. Why are we pushing? Why are we pro-war all of a sudden? Especially, 
yeah, Again, so it's... the other side of the aisle now is pro war, which is I, I don't I'm you know I, I it's whiplash to me. Yeah, right. So Elon is a kind of a weird, interesting character. I've got some friends who are friends with him, and they describe him as being. Well, keep in mind, he his whole family came from South Africa, so they mm-hmm. just went through apartheid, um, you know, reconciliation or whatever. And if you were to see the country now as opposed to 20 years ago, it looks completely different and not necessarily in a homogenous, nice, now everyone's getting along sort of way. It's a lot of people describe it as um, a real nightmare scenario for the people, the landowners and the people who were there before, not just because black people have rights. It's also because um, the politics have turned extraordinarily upside down and he sees something kind of similar happening in the United States where um, we have gone away from, call it conservative ideals, but even less than that, just call it the nuclear family, you know, just what we used to think of as, as a normal family. Um, and he's concerned that the politics are the thing that's driving all of this, not actual human preference. Um, and if that's the case, then he would like, he and his family feel like that that's a big problem. They want to get in front of it. Just to, basically fix society he's actually pretty altruistic uh in a kind of a weird way but that doesn't really make the mainstream news because they're pointing at any uh, individual point he's making like he wants to stop bots so so why is he stopping bots but it's kind of this greater mosaic of a bunch of things going on in his head but yeah Yeah. he is certainly polarizing that is for sure i i think obviously he's got uh as adam carolla says he's got fuck you money so it doesn't really you know you can't cancel elon but i do like his mm-hmm. his uh i think his approach going back to cancel culture is the way to avoid it to begin with obviously you know i don't have elon musk money uh yet, <laughs> yet. thank you but uh you know if you know how to hack wells fargo and add a few zeros i wouldn't mind uh <laughs> Packed I, in the back of twenty one hundred now. Uh, well, it's doable. Like, oof. well, I, I mean, I, I, I'm not going to get angry if there's extra zeros in my account, unless unless, unless the the crooked numbers turn into zeros, then I'm going to be. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> but uh... Wait, so we go from go from one to one to zero. <laughs> go from one hundred twelve dollars in my bank account to zero. Oh, come on. <laughs> um. But but I think his his attitude and approach of like I, I don't I don't care if you like me I'm gonna do what I do I think that's the way to go about life to a certain extent obviously I, as you said I think he is altruistic I don't think he's out to to make enemies but he also knows what he thinks is right and he's you know that's what he's gonna do he doesn't care if people you know throw off. he I mean he he I don't know who runs his actual account if he does maybe but. I, I remember when there were were uh, rate limits on Twitter and everyone was going crazy, and mm-hmm. Elon made a post like, "Your rate limits exceeded because you're complaining and reading tweets about rate limits," <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> you know, he he's not stupid, <laughs> like he yeah. he he you know he he gets it. He he's doing what he's doing for whatever reason, uh, but there is a reason uh, behind his you know whatever he does um so yeah it, it's i i love that people see i i'm a person that again knows very little about the technology stuff 
and maybe this is bad, but, but I have that attitude of like, well, whatever, you know, I can't figure it out. If I can figure out a way to, to, uh, uh, enhance myself based on the algorithm, that's great. But otherwise it's like, whatever I've, it is what it is. It's some crazy machine and, and, uh, whatever, <laughs> like mm -hmm. I'm, I'm ambivalent. Like, it, it, you know, if, if Twitter wants me to explode, I'll explode. That's my opinion. Yeah. It's like, I, you know, it's generally if Twitter wants me to explode, I should say if I pay money to Twitter to promote myself, I'll explode, explode, depending on, you know, how far $112 takes you, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I think in computer security, you could kind of bucketize it and you can extrapolate this to the rest of technology. But there's really like five different massive personas. There's the one that doesn't care at all. Like you can tell them all the bad things that happen. They do not care. They're too busy doing other stuff. The second one, they're like, you could tell them they agree that it's a problem, but they don't know what to do about it. And they're unwilling to research it. They agree, though. They're like, yes, I, you know, I wish I had more time. I just am too busy. Then there's the kind that will do the bare minimum. Like they will try to go other way. They might even research some stuff occasionally. They, they take it seriously. They're just not very good at it. Then there's the ones that are as serious a professional as they can possibly be, but they still, they're like journalists or something. They, they still go online. They still surf the internet. They still do all the normal things they do because they have to kind of be part of society. And then on the very tail end, you have the dissidents that, you know, if you even say one thing as your actual person, you, you know, you're going to get killed by your country. Uh, they do not have the opportunity to act like a journalist. And the journalist is their biggest threat because the journalist is the one who's going to get hacked, not them. Mm. Um, and so if you, if you extrapolate that beyond security to technology in general, you have very similar buckets, you know, like how, how technologic or in technologic are you going to be? Um, you know, are you going to fully, fully embrace everything? And I don't care. And like, let's just, let's just go like, I'll install everything and click through every button. And yes, like, give me access to everything. I want, I want cute kittens. I want all of it, sex with them or whatever, everything, <laughs> give me everything. I want ever, all the Tamagotchis all hooked up to the internet. My washer and dryer should be letting me know that they're done, like everything, right? Uh, and then way down on the other end, you have the full Luddites who are like, I know the problems of this. I cannot accept this. Um, I have to step away from it because of personal um, feelings about what it's doing to me or society or whatever. And you just kind of slot yourself in there. And there, there's really good paper on this. I, I don't agree with the paper, but it's still a good one. Uh, Microsoft wrote that said, so long and no thanks for the externalities, a rational rejection of computer security. And basically the whole point of the paper is uh, it costs more for the average person to care about security than to deal with it. But it's not completely true because everyone says like, I don't have any, I don't have anything to be, to worry or fear or whatever. I don't care if I get compromised, which is a really terrible because let's say your buddy right next to you told you your secret. You're basically saying your your buddy's secret isn't worth anything because that's really what we're coming what it comes down to. So I, I met up with this one billionaire who I had no idea this guy was a billionaire back in an actual green room, not just painted that way uh, before a conference. And he had a whole bunch of sycophants like hanging around him, like you know, just drooling all over him. And I'm just like, who is this idiot? And he's basically saying like, uh, I don't uh, I don't care about computer security. I, I have nothing to hide. Blah 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 blah. And I, again, no idea who this guy was. I'm like, give me your wallet. And he's like, why? I'm like, just give me your wallet. And so he starts reaching back like he's about to do it. And he's like, wait, what are you going to do with it? I'm like, I'm going to take a photo of the front and back of every single one of these cards. And then I'm going to post it to my 
best 40, 30, 40,000 hacker friends on Twitter, I'm going to say that this guy believes that nothing negative can happen to him as a consequence of posting these things online. Prove him wrong. And he looked at me and took his hand <laughs> back out of his pocket. <laughs> and then he shut the fuck up. Um, and so I think, I think that's the problem is people don't realize that privacy and security are like, you know, it's, it's a tapestry. It, it, it's kind of all these things. It's your password to your phone. It's your password to your bank accounts, like a bunch of different things. And it's also all your friends secrets and your friends. If you don't have any secrets, your friends definitely have secrets. Uh, so I don't know. I just, I think that whole line of thinking is very backwards. Yeah, no, no, no. It, it's, a. Uh... It, it's a I, I think it's a scary thing for most people to think about just in, in general and that that's the I mean you know those are the people also who end up getting scammed by the uh you know uh, I see I I don't know if you get these emails but like I, for a couple years once a month I would get an email like I've hacked into your your computer and I've I've got video of you masturbating and I'm mm -hmm. like, well, joke's on you. I usually jack off to my phone. I've never used this mm -hmm. computer to perform. <laughs> I don't want to get bots on this thing. <laughs> but but it's a, I think my response was like, you've got video of me, me jerking off. Could you send it to me? I'll put it on YouTube as long as my dick's not in it. Like, that'd be great content. Like, <laughs> not a long video, I promise. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I certainly get that. It's called scareware. Um, and, uh, obviously it does not work on me, but, um, yeah, that, that is a multi-billion dollar industry, um, sending out those emails. There's a bunch of other ones. Um, one of them, uh, is, uh, called pig slaughtering. So they'll basically convince some guy that he's got some overseas bride and she'll carve him up and take all of his money. And it's pretty sad, actually, you know, just mm. lonely guys. Um, and there's a bunch of other versions of the, what's called the 4, 419 Nigerian scam. Uh, you know, I am a Nigerian prince, yeah. uh, et cetera, et cetera. And so all of those, I mean, that particular scam, the 419 scam, uh, represents about a third of the income of Nigeria, approximately, as of, these are old numbers from the CIA, but Jesus. Um, oil was the number one, I forget what number two is, and I think this was number three. So it's not a small chunk uh, of money. In fact, uh, back when I was at eBay, we compromised and then eventually arrested and almost every single resident of an entire town in Romania. Uh, so there's these bastions where this is this is the income for the town or the city or whatever. Uh, so uh, there's a there's a big industrial complex built around it. And the biggest fraud right now that, that I'm currently aware of is something called surf fraud. I forget what it stands for, but it's basically I file your taxes on your behalf. And instead of you getting the refund, I get the refund. And it's about a $3,000 per incident uh, money. And they're making somewhere around $4 billion a year doing it. Jesus. Um, and we think it's a team of about 100 people because that's about what it would take to actually move this kind of money around. Uh, a lot of mules. And uh, the only reason we know it exists at all is because at one point they were using uh, Intuit, uh, QuickBooks, and up until uh, at one point they were always just saying pay the pay the fee to Intuit out of the money out of the refund. So instead of sending all of the refund to me, send the refund part of the refund to Intuit, they get paid out of that. 
And instead of that, they started, they realized they could take a little bit more by using stolen credit cards. And so all of a sudden, Intuit went from nothing to incredibly high rates of uh, fraud, like massive, like, you know, you're a fraudulent organization type amounts of fraud. Um, and that, of course, initiated an investigation. And um, I am not exactly sure what happened after that, but I suspect what they just did is made it really hard to use credit cards um, and moving all that fraud back into the where it was before. So Intuit is believed to make about $100 million a year off of that particular fraud. So they have really no incentive to actually fix it. Meanwhile, it is you know costing U.S. taxpayers about $4 billion a year. Jesus. Um, and post-tax money. So, yeah, I mean, if you're if you're to tell me that, you know, any minor piece of legislation in the United States or, you know, some small team of people who want to solve the problem are going to have any ha- any chance of solving that, no way. You know, there's way too much money at risk. Uh, and we believe that those are funding nation states, not just, you know, individual entrepreneurs or whatever. Wow. Well, see, there goes my my comic book character of uh the Nigerian prince who who desperately <laughs> he just can't get anyone to help him get his money out of the country and escape. Well, the the funny thing is there was one example of a guy. He had this massive they had a massive bust in his house. He had like millions and millions of dollars in his apartment. And I was like, there he was. He's been trying to email us this whole time. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's it's real. <laughs> that's I, he, he's he's friends with uh, a guy whose name is Scam Likely, and no one will pick up his phone calls. That's that's my you know. It's like oh damn it, why won't anyone answer my calls? <laughs> So yeah, yeah, that's how my brain works. And Florida man who keeps getting arrested, and yeah. and you know, yeah. I get blamed Florida, for it because I live in Florida. Mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, last thing, if you have time before I let you go, sure. I do. You've been an executive producer on a film. Uh, mm-hmm. t- tell me, just I guess, tell me how how that came to be, and and is it a film we can watch? <laughs> or- uh, if you're overseas, you can. I don't think you can watch it in the United States. Um, but it's a film called Lion Spy. Um, and I'm only sort of involved in the film, but uh, basically from the money side. But my producer, Krista Beck, on my podcast, um, he was actually James Cameron's producer on his underwater uh, documentaries. Mm. And so he wanted to kind of strike out on his own, start his own production company. So I funded that, which is how I got involved. Um, and it's called Civilized Entertainment. His name is Chris Beck. Really great guy, by the way. Um, worth worth knowing. Uh, he's actually working on tax credits in Texas, trying to make it so that we have more, you know, billions of dollars available for media uh, inside the state of Texas. Really interesting character. But uh, he had this idea with um, one of his ex roommates uh, to basically go into um, the sort of the underworld of um, illegal but under the guise of being legal hunting. So you go in, you're like, these are legal hunts. Oh, and by the way, we also sell these other things under the hood. Like if you also want to take down a white rhinoceros, if you also want to take down a lion, et cetera. And it basically is a, a menu. You just you just order what you want to kill and they'll take you to it and you kill it. Um, sort of money back guarantee sort of deal. And they'll do the taxidermy for you and ship it illegally for you and the whole thing, right? So it's, it's, it's a little industry. And so Rogue Rubin uh, put herself at great personal harm and actually went undercover and went on some of these hunts um, sort of as a uh, media person trying to help him sort of a um, kind of hard to explain, but basically somebody who follows him around and documents his life for 
the purpose of eventually making a film for him um, mm. as sort of an ex- assistant for the guy who's actually running the, the mill. And uh, it was a pretty compelling story, actually. And it's obvious that there is an industry around this thing. And, and, and there is legitimate type of hunting where you're trying to kill uh, an animal that's already suffering, already in pain, and is consuming resources from a, a healthy population. That, that actually kind of sounds like a, a relatively good thing. But that is not what is going on here. This is right. uh, this is you choose whatever you want to kill. It doesn't matter how old or what species or whatever. It could be perfectly healthy or whatever. Just go for it, whatever you want. And now it's just a matter of negotiating price. So pretty wow. interesting story. Uh, we're hoping to get distribution in the United States. Wow. Yeah, that's uh, that sounds like a dangerous, uh, as you said, that sounds like a dangerous thing to to do. Uh, I mean, I mean try, most. Just, yeah. Most journalists I do not think is worth are worth her salt at all. Um, she she she's above and beyond. She really put herself out there in a very dangerous way. Yeah, yeah. Because I'm I, I would guess not that not that you you value the animal's life over human, but given how nonchalant they are about killing you know exotic animals, probably fine knocking off a couple people too if they they figure it out. So. Yeah. I certainly wouldn't put it beyond their capabilities. Uh, yeah, I just assume that they've done it. it, it you know, <laughs> just assume it's like, yeah, you. I mean, frankly, uh, interesting thought is, I've always assumed that there's probably you, you're talking about the menu. People might be on the menu, like if you you know dig yeah. deep enough, maybe like you 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 want I, a human. I really wouldn't. I would we not got... be surprised. Yeah. Yep. That's yeah. that's sort of what we're talking about. Once you're already down the path of doing a legal, that kind of legal activity, it's not a terribly large jump to say whatever we whatever we need to to kill and transport for you, whatever we need to tax for me for you, whatever. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty pretty, pretty awful group of people. Yeah, yeah, it's a, a creepy thought to to think what you know. Some some people. You don't want to, I always try to figure out what's going on in their heads. Like one thing, flat earthers, I love to, I love to be like, so what makes them go down this path? But with some people and, and pedophiles and, and those, you know, those hunting people that you're talking about, those are people like, I don't, it's not worth it. They're just, they're, they're just bad. <laughs> There's something deep inside is broken and I can't figure out. And I, if I did figure out what, what made them the way they are, it would probably break me too in a weird, like I, it would just yeah. make me eternally depressed and sad for, for humanity. Yeah. Yeah. I, I used to run an anti-pedophile organization. And at the time we had the single largest bust in history. Um, now innocent images will bust a hundred people at a time. So they've definitely dwarfed where we were, but we busted 32 or something, 36, somewhere in there. Um, and, um, but to do that, we had to infiltrate them and really understand how their operation works. And it was a group called Pedophile University, which is kind of a dual and tundra, like we'll teach you how to be a pedophile, but also, you know, little kids at school kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and uh, I, I will say that I was only able to do that for a handful of months, uh, even though I started the whole thing and uh, I had a, I had to quickly egress because, as you said, you there are some things you really, really cannot unsee or unknow, and I'm not going to tell you what what I saw or what I know, but uh, I will say that it, it has haunted me ever since. So yeah, I I would imagine, uh, and uh, 
Let, 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 I'll, 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 before I tell you to to give my audience the plugs, just the thing that I I can't help but say, boy, it's interesting that Jeff, Jeffrey Epstein's island, no no names ever, you know, officially, you know, no one's been prosecuted except for him and Maxwell. Mm. It's interesting the 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 Isn't customers of, yeah, I, I, I you know. They're, they're, you know, I, I, I think everyone knows the names. I mean, you know, Bill Clinton, logs, Prince, whatever, you know. Yeah, the yeah. logs are all available if you want to go take a look at them. Yeah. Um, oh, as this, as this is Rolodex too. I think that's also public now as well. So you can go yeah. through and just see everybody he knew and see how well he knew them. Because uh, if if he travels with them once, you know, maybe he's just they're just guests. Come check us out, and first time you meet them. Travels five or six times, ten yeah. times. That's uh, yeah. Bill Bill Gates. Something else. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, even even Oprah was out there. I mean, a lot of celebrities were out there. Maybe just once though, and maybe they saw something they didn't like, and they disappeared. And they're like, I don't want anything to do with it. Or they heard something that sounded a little gross, and maybe they didn't see anything, but they never wanted to be a part of that again. Um, yeah. But you know, speaking of you know, Musk, Elon Musk was uh, photographed with um, Maxwell. But you know, kind of weird, like with his back to her sort of thing, you know. So who knows, right? Maybe he knew her, maybe he didn't. Um, I mean, I've met exactly a billion people in my travels. Does that mean I know them? Absolutely not. So yeah, yeah, uh, that's that's the. I never want to convict someone for having a photo taken because, you know, I, I've had my. You know, it's like I. I no cert- context. I've certainly had my photo taken with terrible people. I I couldn't tell you who they are. But I'm yeah. sure it's happened. There's no doubt. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Especially if you know anybody. I mean, come on. I mean, people are horrible everywhere. It's just uh, a matter of degree, right? And like, how bad is that person? And I mean, we all live with monsters to some degree. Now it's just a matter of what level of monsters we're gonna end up being or knowing and being okay with under our own set of judgments. You know, like, what am I willing to put up with in my friend group? It's uh. Yeah, we have to be very care. We have to be very careful to be both, you know, careful to judge them on their own merits with with the information you're given, but also quick to forgive them for things that are human nature. Um, so it's it's tricky, really, really tricky. Yeah, yeah. My my friends don't like me when I use MDMA. I don't know if that is. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, I'm too loud and talkative. That's. Oh, I thought you were gonna say you start making out with them. <laughs> no, no, I don't. Not that I recall. I would. I would. I, a friend gave me MDMA because like you're gonna drink less. Nope, I did not. So <laughs> I blacked out, and apparently I was very loud and very happy, uh, which uh-huh. you know I guess was not. Yeah, other people don't like me being happy. Apparently, that's 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 what I learned that night. <laughs> Mis- Not that night. I learned it the next day because <laughs> I don't remember that. Night. <laughs> uh, Robert, thank you uh, so much for coming on. Where can uh, where should my listeners? Uh, is there a place they should find or follow you? Um, I have a website rsnake.com, rsnake.com. Uh, I'm also on spotify and youtube and all the things so feel free to look me up on the arsenic show the arsenic show perfect mm-hmm. well mm-hmm. robert thanks again uh i'm gonna go have some sex with uh virtual kittens uh nice. but uh you uh, and me both <laughs> <laughs> maybe i'll see you there maybe see you there all right it's a date <laughs> thanks again robert all right jeff you have a good one 
That's it. That's all. Hope you had a ball. Thank you, Robert Arsnake. Thank you for joining me. Uh, check out his podcast, his YouTube channel, his website. Uh, some very fun conversation. Uh, was quite a pleasure to uh, meet and chat with him. Uh, all right. Got a uh, another great one lined up for next week uh, with a comedian. <clears throat> And, uh, you know, that's away we go. I do have a fun uh, thing. If you're not subscribed to the YouTube channel and you're listening this late into the episode, I mean, you're kind of weird, I think. But head over to the YouTube channel. We've got a very fun uh, animal uh, tournament uh, that Jeremiah and myself on the Dads and Drinks show will be uh, breaking down. Uh, It's an animal fighting tournament. And, uh, well, it was a lot of fun, uh, and, uh, to record, I haven't edited it yet. Boy, that was Ed did, 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 you know, I've got to say I'm much more of a linguist when I've had a drink than I am now when, uh, I'm, I'm sitting here sipping on a, uh, diet orange soda. I allow myself one, one of these every evening to replace my, uh, my whiskey and, uh, you know, don't don't get on me about drinking diet soda. It's a lot healthier than the alternative. <clears throat> All right. Again, subscribe to the YouTube. Do me a favor. Follow me on the Facebook, Twitters, Instagrams, TikToks, Minds, anywhere you would like. I should be there on on any of those platforms. And all those links are below in the show notes. All right. Boom. It's over. for listening it was amazing (laughs) i i loved it be sure to come back for another great episode i'm one wing away from jeff macalino of the jeff macalino podcast how much time did you spend on thinking of the name of your podcast you want to just straight that's my name i'll add the word podcast to it yep see you next week